0: This video is brought to you by Black Moon Games. Check out their products at shop-black-moon.com. Almost 5 years ago to this day, I reached out to a gentleman on Kickstarter that was putting out an RPG that looked very similar to a very popular movie that I was a big fan that I'm a big fan of it has to do with giant mechs battling giant monsters that of course was mechas and monsters by gallon Knight games and the gentleman was alan barr little did he know five years later he'd still be on the show much to his probably disappointment but we're very grateful to uh, have him be a part of uh, our friends and our people that we just Enjoy so much. So tonight uh, we are going to be talking about Mechas and Monsters Evolved. Uh, this is a, the next uh, edition of Mechas and Monsters. We're also going to talk a little bit about why um, RPGs get new additions every so often. Uh, I think that's probably a good good topic. We're actually going to be talking about that. And then Alan made the announcement that Mechas and Monsters uh, Evolved was going to uh, uh, be coming to Kickstarter. So I'm going to tell folks that if you're in, if you're interested in mechas and monsters evolved check out the link in the description uh there's the uh the 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 link to the kickstarter previews down there you can hit the follow and uh, you'll be notified as soon as it goes live that's my intro for episode 115 of the chaotic good cast mechas and monsters evolved Hey everyone, welcome to the K.I. GoodCast, our weekly Geeky Roundtable. I'm your host, Ben Shoot, and with me are my fellow casters, Ben Higgins from Quarterstaff Games.
1: Not at Quarterstaff Games, merely from Quarterstaff Games this week.
0: <laughs> get out of work early this time.
1: We did, we did. I get to sit in my nice comfy chair with my actual camera and my setup. Nice. For, nice. And running it off my laptop. Uh
0: artist illustrator, back from a few-week hiatus, (laughs) the one Barney Smith of StoryComic.com.
2: Hey, you know, small babies are delivered by a stork. For larger babies, they use a crane. Wow.
0: Our resident (laughs) geek of the north, Jason Hunt.
3: Um, Somebody introduced me to these the other day. Um... These are amazing. I I don't know where to get them in Canada, but I'm going to get them wherever I can.
1: Are they gummy bears? What?
3: <laughs> yes, they're par- they're apparently premium gummy bears, which oh, I can premium, attest to.
4: Please. They are oh, pretty amazing. Premium. Those like a gas station right here. I can just send you a box. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Must be nice to be in America. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Where we sell premium gummy bears at gas stations. Please tell me those are the sugar free ones because I know halfway through this podcast, Jason's going to be running for it too. Uh, Dude, I
3: work at a hospital. I know all about those tricks.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, man. And and,
3: one right now. Oh.
0: <laughs> I tell you, this is not the Jason eating gummy bear ASMR podcast, but <laughs> it could be.
1: But
2: it could be. I'd subscribe to that.
0: Jason, literally less than four minutes in, gets booed (laughs) from the podcast. I think that's a new record. (laughs) Last but not least, joining us as a special guest to talk about the next Kickstarter coming from Gallant Night Games, Mechas and Monsters evolved. the one and only Alan Barr. Hey, glad to be here again. Alan, what, what are, is happening?
2: <laughs> what is it, happening?
0: It, I, it started with Jason eating gummy gummy bears on stream, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just went downhill from there. Yeah,
2: I gotta say, Alan, that's a heck of a nice golf cap you're wearing right now.
0: Thanks. It's uh, you know what? Yep, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> you, friend Barney. You're a good. Proud friend. of you for not <laughs> taking the bait, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, the folks that, that, that get to tune in live to this podcast that miss all the pre broadcast shenanigans. Well, I guess they're not really missing it, but you know, <laughs> Wait, nice they might, clued, if they actually saw it, it would, be, it would be nice if they were actually clued in on the inside jokes when, when they get brought up <laughs> yeah. on screen.
3: A lot of this stuff makes no sense I, unless you're here.
0: I'm not sure it would be nice. It feels like a stretch. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much to everyone that's uh, joining us. So uh, let us, uh, I just want to r- remind every fo- everyone that uh, if you're listening to the audio version of this game, of this podcast, you can join us every Monday night live on YouTube, just uh, it's 9 p.m. Eastern, just search for Victory Condition Gaming, and give us a follow, give us a subscribe, you know, we really, greatly appreciate it. Uh, we're getting close to 3,400 subscribers, which is awesome. Nice. Thank you so much to everyone that's part of our YouTube community. It's greatly, greatly appreciated. All uh, that uh, definitely uh, helps. And uh, if you enjoy this podcast every week, let, let us know. Put a, put a comment down below and also, uh, you know, give us a little thumbs up down there. And that, that helps us out as well. All right. It wouldn't be the chaotic good cast without our first segment of the, the show. And that, of course, is new at the store. Ben, let me roll your intro for you.
1: <laughs> never gets old. Never gets old. Such never, gets, draft. never gets never new get... either. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this week for new at the store, uh, we've got two big IPs that we talk about a fair amount. So uh, not a lot of like brand spanking new things, but new releases for these IPs. And we wanted to just touch base on them right now. First up, we have the uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield Evolving Skies release. This is the uh, about every two-and-a-half, three-month release. We get a brand-new expansion set for Pokemon. This one has over 200 cards, 18 new powerful Pokemon V, 15 V-Max Pokemon, Uh, and we actually get a new frame uh, for Dragon-type Pokemon in this, which uh, I am looking forward to seeing. I haven't actually seen it yet, but every time Pokemon tweaks with their frames and their layouts a little bit, uh, it's kind of cool to get that little burst of uh, nostalgia. For, uh, for the Pokemon uh, property and everything. So looking forward to seeing that a little bit later this week uh, once they fully release. I know a lot of stores, especially stores that do pre-release events, uh, such as Black Moon Games, uh, are able to sell it right now, starting on this Monday of release week. So if you are near one of those pre-release stores, definitely hit them up, and you can probably take some of this product home with you as soon as possible.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize that uh, that they could pick those up early uh, this week. I guess that's like part of the part of that. I mean, which is good because then that way, you know, they can kind of get a jump start on all the retail because it goes to retail too. I'm guessing like all the big box stores.
1: Yeah, the box stores get it, and uh, box stores are not great at honoring street date. And so, (laughs) what? uh, So, if your only outlet for this product is your 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 bigger box stores. Check around midweek and probably they'll have it, even though they're not supposed to yet. But uh,
3: someone who yeah. hasn't paid any attention to the state on the box is just like, yeah, whatever, it's going on the shelf. <laughs>
1: that's, that, I mean, that's basically what they do. They're just like, oh, we got it. It's my data yeah. stock. stock. There's to a tell.
3: hole in my shelf. I'm going to put this here. Yeah.
1: So, and they, they do enough volume that, uh, the, you know, these, these game publishers don't usually try to chase them down too much. So, but, uh, but no, this is this, uh, another highly anticipated one. Uh, Pokemon Fever uh, has not really gone down a whole lot. We've seen some of the collectible markets start to ebb back a little bit more. But Pokemon is still fast and furious. Uh, we are, uh, at least at Quarterstaff, we're looking at probably being sold out by the, the end of the weekend. We've got holds uh, for people and, and pre-orders. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 going to go quick still. So definitely check in with your store if you want some and haven't made arrangements to already get it.
0: Nice. Alan, you're a big Pokemon fan.
3: <laughs> the silence sounds like yeah. it might be news to Alan.
0: <laughs> yes, I am.
4: I can still name all 150 original Pokemon. And that's where I stopped because that's when I stopped being a Pokemon fan.
0: I'm I'm not I, I don't I don't really follow Pokemon all that much. I, mean, so yeah, I know you're not. I was just giving you a hard time. I was just kind of putting you on the spot because you know Squirtle yeah, is I, my favorite. I guess. Okay. Okay.
3: sent you... me a Pokemon. I, I transformed it into this thing.
0: That's not a Pokemon. Oh my god.
4: <laughs> I was always a Digimon kid. So like I have the Digimon card game. That's going cool. 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 a lot of money online. Like yeah, yes, they, they actually a I was. Lot of
3: that. I play I played a fair bit of Digimon actually.
0: Ben, what else you got for us this week?
1: Uh, So next up is the new release in the uh, D&D Icons of the Realm pre-painted miniature line from WizKids. This is Snowbound. Uh, As you may guess by the title, all of these models have some sort of Arctic or snow theme to them. Uh, We've got giants. We've got uh, what else is in here? Uh, We've got polar bears, uh, ice uh, creatures, various uh, whites specters, and uh, I think there's a werewolf and even some bullywogs in there as well, which I know bullywogs are a uh, they've kind of seen a resurgence in in D d fifth edition. They get used an awful lot. And then uh, as what uh, we've uh, shown on screen there, there's a giant mammoth with a frost giant riding it, and that is the premium figure. Uh, that comes uh, to retailers that uh, purchase a certain amount, they're able to get those giant figures as well. So that's uh, that's going to be a fun one for a lot of DMs to spring upon their party.
3: I would like to thank Wizards of the Coast for releasing a Canadian set. <laughs> 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 I
0: think, I think uh, us in the Northeast, uh, we kind of uh, can take some of that
3: you can be sort of canadian by association
0: in the northern midwest i would like to
4: also take some of that i feel like <laughs> we out here.
1: probably the uh probably the only one who couldn't take any is, is uh rodrigo in the chat there yeah, yeah that's rodrigo. right that's
0: right oh, yeah.
3: rio is not very snowy <laughs> no
0: no it's not jason are you gonna get some of these prepended
3: i usually pick up a brick of each release actually nice yep. i like them they're useful i'd I'm not a huge uh, minis painter, which is again why I'm very confused as to how you managed to convince me to backlasting tales. <laughs> but <laughs> I do enjoy the WizKids Kids pre-painted; they're really good.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like them too. Uh, I mean, they're great uh, just to have on hand, just, just to be able to use in a pinch. Uh, exactly. Alan, Alan, what about you? You uh, you have these these pre-painted lines in at your house, or what's up these? I get them occasionally. Um, usually when they go
4: on discount or something. But uh, this one I'll probably pick up at the front um, because I've been running Adventures League at the store. So uh, they'll be pretty handy for that. And the current Adventures League is based on Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. So it's a pretty natural extension for kind of what I've been
0: using minis for anyway lately. Do you you want to give your store a shout out? Uh, Yeah. So
4: I work part time uh, two days a week helping out uh, Little Big Wars in Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, Adventures League is on Wednesday nights. Come in and play. Run and join a game, etc., cetera,
0: etc. Cetera. I don't know. Nice, <laughs> yes, that's good. That's good.
2: The perfect shout. out
0: Great, it's great. Barney, would you like to? Would you like to do a shout out?
2: <laughs> He's
3: muted. What a perfect time to be muted. This is hilarious.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, he uh, give a shout out to Lightning McQueen and.
0: Uh, Oh man! And, uh, oh Barney! And, and, and Bar- Barney has no idea that he's on. He mute. has no idea his microphone he isn't just, on. He just keeps going. holy
2: crap! I muted. I muted myself because my daughter came asked me a question.
4: That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, that was the best shout out ever. That
0: was oh, that was goodness. great, I Barney. Was... Nope, time's up. Sorry, your shout-out's over.
4: <laughs> so Ben, new at the store and everything. Are you seeing a particular product? I know like CCGs were hot for a minute. And still are because people can play them at home together. Uh, have you seen a shift back towards more in-store games, picking up a resurgence, or are...
1: yeah, to a bit? Uh, we're definitely getting. Uh, we uh, Quarterstaff is is based in Burlington, Vermont, and Burlington is very much a college city. And college literally started up uh, about a week ago here, so like we have a ton of new people coming in and definitely ccgs are are kind of like the it game to play this year we've done a lot of rpgs to the college crowd as well but uh more ccg players in this incoming uh class it feels like
0: interesting interesting cool Uh, very cool very cool all right. Is that, that all you got for us this week at this new That's, uh,
1: Those are the two we wanted to hit. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep them coming as we roll into uh, convention season here.
0: Very good. Very good. Now let's uh, let's get to our featured content, which, of course, is Megas and Monsters revised from Gallant Night Games. I'm trying to find my overlay, and I can't find it. There it is right there, this high-quality intro that I do for the featured content.
4: And now... Our feature presentation.
0: <laughs> Alan, I spare no expense for this podcast. Yeah, you clearly have gone all out here. Yeah. Uh, um, Mecha's so Monster evolved. Is evolved. I mean. Oh, yeah, that's right. Did I say revised? You did. That's I fine. revised for some reason, but I, I don't just, know why. it's evolved. I don't know why. Um, so, five years ago, because before, when we're lining up, earlier today when we were lining you up to come on the show, I'm like, how long has it been since Alan first came on VCG and ran Mechas and Monsters? Because at that point, I really didn't know what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. (laughs)
3: Okay, I'm glad you went there because I was about to.
0: (laughs) Let's give Doug some credit. The professional quality of the show has improved though the quality of guests have not.
3: (laughs) Oh, okay.
0: Um, because uh, well, if you look at that video, if you watch that video, it's like me and four, my brother, and like three friends were huddled around this table playing Mega's and Monsters. Like, and Alan With the camera is, all the way back here. Like. Yeah, yeah, no, that was that was quite. Uh, and and I, for some reason, Alan keeps he decided he wanted to come back after that, and uh, it's it's been uh, I greatly appreciate uh, you, uh, you know, giving me the benefit of the doubt and and and. You know, hanging with us while we've gone through growing pains and and become this show that uh, we've become, and and uh, it all started it's all started there. And it was actually like September fourteenth, you came on the show yeah. and ran Mechas and Monsters. I can't remember when the Kickstarter actually started, but I remember seeing it launch on on Kickstarter, and I'm like, oh man, this art is amazing. This is this is totally my jam. Like I, I of course, I love Pacific Rim anyway, and not that I don't want to, we don't want to like drop. You know, brand names or anything, but, but like that's that's kind of what it that's that's kind of what Mechas and Monsters is. It's it's giant robots fattle, mechs battling giant monsters and kaiju, and I'm just like, man, this looks really really fun. And I sent you an email or sent you a message via Kickstarter, and uh, y- you you said, I don't know who you are. Stop harassing me. I'm gonna get my lawyers involved.
4: So I, I actually have that original message still in my Kickstarter account.
0: Do you really? Yeah, I, probably, I
4: probably do too. It's probably yeah, they archive it all. But yeah, so we ran the Kickstarter about five years ago. It was in the fall of 2016, and the game came out in early 2017. Um, and yeah, it's our oldest game that hasn't been updated yet. So it's getting an update. We've, uh, we're, you know, it was our second game. We were funding it with the meager profits of our first Kickstarter. So we definitely rolled into it with some things that I've learned now that I want to fix. And so we're going to do
0: that. Okay. So what do, What did you, what, what are the major yeah. things that you wanted to fix with this game? I mean, sure. It's a great game all by itself. I've I, You know, yeah, no. conventions I carry, I carry tiny dungeon and, mechas Mon- and tiny uh, frontiers, of mechas and monsters. And, and, and I'll tell you what, you know, as many copies as we sell, you know, tiny dungeon, we still sell quite a few copies of, of, uh, mechas and monsters so there, there, there is a really really great game there so I'm, I'm like wow if we're if it's going to evolve and even yeah. improve it's 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 going to be even a, a greater product
4: so a lot of the changes are what i would call quality of life changes um mm-hmm. you know since five years ago uh four years ago when it came out we've released something like a hundred and something products we've gotten a lot better at this i've learned a lot more um and so, as part of that, um, it's, it's good every once in a while to go back and take those lessons we've learned and apply them to what we've got that we that could use the updates. So, on a basic level, a lot of it is bringing the game in line with the current iteration of Tiny D6. Uh, at the time, we had moved it a little bit from where Tiny Frontiers was, um, and now we, we've kind of unified Tiny D6 a little bit more with a stronger, uh, I'll call it a backbone, a stronger consistency between the game lines. And I want to bring back some monsters onto that. So a lot of that is just unifying language, uh, clearing up some uh, poorly worded rules, interactions, little things like that. Um, we, we've tripled the amount of art roughly. Um, we're, we, we hit. I mean, we use the same artist, so we're keeping the original pieces because they're at the same high quality level as the new art. But we've got all new art and all new cover. Um, you know, we... We've gotten a lot better at art direction and things like that. So the art's a lot more dynamic or interesting. Um, It's a lot more uh, evocative, I think. Uh, And then, you know, we've added, and this is my favorite thing we've added. We actually added a campaign to the game. And it's a two-part, I'm going to call it two parts, but it's not two parts in a a first-act, second-act fashion. It's two parts in a, you can play the mechas, or you can play the kaiju. And you can play both sides with two groups Against each other, and they could never know. (laughs) Um, And so these campaigns proceed simultaneously, and it's got this really great macro level game where, you know, as the mecha, you're managing the ship, as the kaiju, you're defending the planet, um, and there's some really great uh, mechanics for all that in there. It's a super great campaign. Sen Fung Lim and Banana Chan actually wrote it for us as part of this Kickstarter. So that's going to be in the core book. And that's like a 30,000-word campaign. That's like the size of the rules and then some. So it's a significant portion of the book.
0: Now, are the are the micro settings that uh, you had in the original book? Are those being brought over into this? No, we're, we're doing all but We're only doing a few. We're doing
4: about five or six. Oh, okay. So they're about double in length, though. We're actually going to double them from where they were in the original book. And then we're uh, we're going to you know, kind of have a few, a few less and kind of tighten them down a little bit, so. Cool,
0: cool. Um, so this is going to be a much larger book. Uh, in the end, it'll probably be roughly the same size. Oh, okay. We've actually
4: trimmed down the word count by cutting some of those micro settings, but by adding the campaign and more art, uh, we've actually managed to probably maintain the page ratio. It's still going through editing. It hasn't been laid out yet, so, you know, don't quote me on that, but we're doing our best. Um, but I imagine it'll come out around
0: 200 pages. Wow. That's, that's, that's a good size book. Um, the cover art, is that going to be about the same as what, what it was previously? Or are you kind of updating the whole cover? Are you updating the whole thing? Are you? Would you like to see the new cover art? I would, I would, I mean, I, gentlemen, would, would you like to see the new cover art?
3: Nah. I have no problem. Look, what, what did you say, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> no. <Nope.
0: laughs> So let me. Uh... So Ben is no longer associated with
4: this <laughs> podcast. I, I just want to. Uh... <laughs> so uh, I want to see the art. Can you see it? Boom! Wow, that'll oh, be the new bad. cover.
0: Very that cool. is badass.
4: By um, Pan Ho Sim, who did all the art inside the book as well.
3: When I first found about out about this, because I remember, remember, I told you, like, this, I came into this after this released when I first saw the art for this, my first thought was Pacific Rim. And then I started reading the book and I was like, I like the different takes on it inside. Like there's different options mm. here. I can't, it doesn't have to just be Pacific Rim. And that really sucked me in.
0: Uh, R- Rodrigo says, I hope it gets pr- published in
4: Brazil. Well, uh, the PDF will be available everywhere, obviously, as well as print on demand on Drive RPG. Um, but, you know, with this campaign, uh, sharing that uh with this campaign we're actually the, with the shipping situation in the world we're actually going to be restricting the offset books us only unless something changes dramatically in the next few weeks probably and anybody who's international will have to back for a pod code unfortunately but you know it's just too
0: difficult yeah to, it's t- it's tough right now it's, with, it's functionally yeah. impossible yeah,
3: so. i mentioned that to the guys earlier in the in our uh, side chat that we always have on facebook I'm starting to see more and more Kickstarters now as they come out things that I've been interested in backing are like, sorry, no, no international shipping. We're just not doing it.
4: It's it's too hard.
3: Yeah. It's just too much of a nightmare now.
4: In five years. This is the first Kickstarter we've ever had to restrict that on. Oh, oh.
2: We're
4: gonna. I think we just, I mean, the shipping tiny Cthulhu, you know, it goes late because of the pandemic and everything. And that just, we basically didn't make any money on it because we did lose it all in shipping easy and then some problem. so
0: so Alan the the question for me is is for me is yeah of course you, you know you want to update your games and everything and yeah. and, and do you have a, a kind of mental benchmark as to when you usually update your games like do you do you is is it as a a designer as a publisher do you go you know after just like two or three years you're like you know this game isn't really where it was where 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 i want it to be you know or do you wait until like five because i think it's it i can't remember when you updated tiny frontiers but it seemed like it was shorter than that. This one is a little bit longer than, than five years, you know, this one is five years.
4: Functionally five years. Tiny frontiers was closer to two or three because we roll it in as a stretch goal on tiny dungeon.
0: Right. Right. So do you, um, do you have like a, a mental, like as a publisher and as a, as a designer, do you have uh, like just something in the back of your mind that says, you know what? I, I really want to go back and revisit this game after such so many years, just to make sure that it's on par with where I want it to be. Uh, so kind of, um okay. with something like Tiny D six is a little different.
4: Yeah. Um because since they're all based on the same rules chassis, when we make a big update to the rules chassis, it's good to go back and update the games. Um and this sometimes we can do that with just a PDF fix and you know and a new print on demand or something. Um in the case of Megas and Monsters though, uh we had already written it kind of divergent from Tiny V six. So as Tiny V six has evolved, <laughs> um it's it's become further and farther because we, we started here and we're like, we're going to put it over here. And then, so it's going in a straight line, but tiny 86 is kind of doing this. And so we've, we've diverged farther and farther. So this is partially the new edition is there's a significant reworking of the text in terms of not what's included, but in how, how the book communicates mechanically to be unified with the, especially the later stuff like tiny Cthulhu or tiny supers. Um, so part of that was just looking at that and going, okay, this game is the most divergent. It's the one that needs to be kind of pulled back in to the fold, so to speak. Right. Part of it was, you know, at the time we could only afford like 10 pieces of art for the whole book. Like the art was expensive. We were a small press. Uh, I mean, we we're still a small press. But uh, now we're at a place where we can, you know, afford 20 to 25 pieces for the book. We've been able to double and then some, which has been fantastic and really great. So part of it was that, just like a quality of life, like the book was look better. Sure. Um, part of it, is we've gotten better at printing books. So the offset print is going to be a lot nicer than it would have been, you know, five years ago. Uh, stuff like that, you know, there's all these little dings and they kind of all add up. Um, okay. and, and being, you know, totally cynical, part of it's sales. We look at the sales and we go, okay, is it selling well? Okay, well, let's, sometimes a new edition can goose that. Sometimes it's not going to matter, right? Right, right. Um And that's never the deciding factor. We don't just make a new addition to make money um, because one, that's a really silly idea uh, and it could totally backfire on you. Uh, I, I that's I, It would be a lie to say that's not a thing we think about, but I would say at best it's only ever a tiebreaker in sort of the decision making process. It would never be a major contributing factor. If that makes sense.
0: Sure. That makes sense. Hmm.
4: And part of it is, you know, now we have big distribution. We have better distribution. I want to say big, but we're bigger than we were. We didn't even have retail distribution when this came out originally. Right. So even though, and so it we never went into retail. We never, it was already, by the time we had retail distribution, it was two years in our back catalog and it wasn't worth printing a hundred copies even to put into retail because it would have sold really slowly. You know, I think it's in there because our retailer, our retail partner distributes at conventions. So they have it in their system and they probably have a few copies for that reason. But we've never pushed it into retail. We've never done a comprehensive uh, effort to move it there. So uh, this is kind of a chance to do all of that with the new stuff we've learned, and it all adds up. And as you're thinking about it, you kind of just you're taking it all in. And
0: part of it is I'm a lot better rules writer and designer than I was five years ago. And right, That I want was the play that. That, that. Yeah, that was my. Next, that was going to be my follow-up question for for that. Was you know you say that just because you know you're getting better at the, these things as, you know as a, as a publisher and as a, you know, and press, but like you have also changed as a designer. And I didn't know if that factored into, you know, this, this evolved edition of, of Mechas and Monsters, you know, just like, Hey, you know, I've taken, you know, I've worked on so many more tiny D6 games that I, there's certain things that I could apply certain mechanics that, that I could apply to, to, you know, a new edition of, or a new evolution. I keep, I keep saying, I, I, if I keep, do I say, do I keep saying evolve? I can't remember if I keep You're saying fine. evolve or not. I'm sorry if I, if I don't right. say it correctly. Um, In- but uh, yeah, I just didn't, I wasn't quite sure if there was, a, you know, as a designer, if there were any reasons why, why you kind of, uh, you know, redo games.
4: Yeah. I mean, as a designer, you always want to put your best foot forward. But I'm very careful as a designer um, to not fall into the it's got to be perfect trap. There is, there is a point where good is done. Rather than perfect is done and so um i would i never want to go back and redo a game because i'm unhappy or else i've been doing all my games forever <laughs> uh because there's always i always find something no matter what a book ships and i find something i'm like i wish i could have changed that mechanic or i wish i would have written that differently um i've yet to ship a perfect game what?
0: Uh, probably never will because that's life that's okay. there's always
3: always room for improvement and changes and tweaks
0: you yeah. there's perfect games i mean i ben has a whole store of perfect games
4: oh it's true. what that has
0: in the store i'm gonna i'm gonna go
4: ahead and
1: <laughs> i mean i mean i've got some of the the gallant knight that game
0: that's right there. that's right they're they're
1: yeah. they're almost perfect games i guess we can we can...
4: can't quite get
3: you should you should put a little sign above them <laughs> mm-hmm. Almost perfect. <laughs> almost perfect, Gallant
4: Almost perfect game for the almost part. <laughs> um, yeah, so part of it is that, right? Like we're trying to. Uh, I do think about that. I try not to let it be a significant factor because I'm aware that if I were to do that, I would be constantly always revising and doing new editions, sure. and that's not healthy. But yeah, definitely, I'm a better designer than I was, and I know that, and I want to apply that. I mean, I have games that I released two years ago. I'd love to do that too. But I know it's not the right time or place for that.
0: Uh, Rodrigo has a question in the chat. He says, uh, did the players feedback influence these influence these changes? Absolutely. I
4: mean, I think, I don't think I could say no to that. In any way, it's so much better because people talk about it and have given us feedback, you know, on our Patreons uh, for our Patreon on gallon night games, well, Patreon.com slash gallon night games. Um, you know, they've seen multiple drafts. They've given me multiple feedback. Some of it we've included. Some of it we haven't, unfortunately. Um, and part of that is, you know, my decision as I'm working on the game, what I want it to be versus, you know, what somebody wants in a game is just one person. And to a degree, I'm trying to design for everybody. So not every suggestion is good for the game, right? Right. Um, suggestions are only good for your table. And it's hard to know where that is. And is. I've gotten a lot better at it over the years um, of knowing that line and, with Tiny d because I write so much of it, I, I've come, I've gotten to an almost—I want i will call it a gut checkpoint where I can look at something and go yes or no, almost instinctively, because I've spent so much time inside the design space that I know it that well. Um, and sometimes I'm wrong, so it's never a perfect system. But yes, feedback from players and Patreons and everybody who's streamed it, ran it—you know—something we're always listening to and looking at, and it's been really helpful.
0: Nice. Uh, do you have any idea, like when uh, when this Kickstarter is is going to approximately go go live for for folks that might be interested in, in mid September.
4: Mid September. Yep, you can sign up now to get notified at the link uh, Doug put down in the description below. Oh. Click like and subscribe, and then click the link and then like and subscribe to the Kickstarter page. Absolutely. I did it for you. I got this. <laughs>
0: Um, I can can do Doug's job, whatever. Uh, I mean, anybody can do my job. Come on, Alan, let's be honest.
4: um, But yeah, so uh, we're aiming for mid-September. We're currently in the middle of finalizing some shipping information we want to get squared away. Um, And it's taking a little longer, Um, but the Kickstarter page is done. The book is functionally written. Uh, We're just waiting on a few of the micro setting stretch goals we want to include. Um, But yeah, that's kind of where we are.
0: You know what would be awesome, Alan? I'm, I'm just looking at the calendar.
4: An actual play in the middle of September.
0: We could do an actual play in the middle of September if you would like to do if you would would like to do that. Well, what were you going to say? Well, I I, I was I wasn't going to just uh, I I was going to probably approach you and, and mention that to you off off broadcast, <laughs> not on broadcast, and put put you on the spot. Folks, but, uh, uh, if I don't show up on the channel now, you know why. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um,
0: but yes, I, I would love to have uh, have an actual play during during, yeah. the, uh, during the Kickstarter. Um, you know. We streamed the Mechas and Monsters RPG session on actual play on VCG September 14th of 2016. That's a Tuesday, isn't it? And it is a Tuesday. It would be amazing if it launched on September 14th.
2: Four exactly years to the day. Five
0: years to the five day. Years <laughs> day. And, and you know what? If you do launch it on that, I'm taking full credit for for the that. <laughs>
1: Well, now he can't understand.
0: do it. <laughs> I know, right? Now, it'll be the, now it's the 21st, Doug, no matter what.
1: <laughs> it would be like 1201 on, on the 15th. <laughs> 1201 a.m.
0: Yeah, that would I,
4: I I was either you were going to invite me for a stream or you were going to mention the 14th. Those were my two options.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad both yeah. of them came up. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, we, we should definitely. Uh, we'll, Absolutely. And if folks, would lo- if, if folks would like to see that, let us know in the comments and, and uh, let us know uh put the put put a little thumbs up down below and let us know because we'd love to, uh, to to showcase alan's game yet again because that would be very very cool um so yeah Barney do you have any questions for Alan? Oh <laughs> checking
3: to see if you're muted Barney? <laughs> I just
2: I was looking to make sure I wasn't muted. Yeah. Um I, I have to. Well, now it's kind of like some of the questions have kind of passed, so it'd be just like you know.
0: No, no, feel free, go for it.
2: All right, give me give me a second to remember what I was going to ask you.
0: Sure. More than likely, it was going to be something about Legos.
3: (laughs) Can you use Lego characters?
0: So actually, you can because the game
4: has rules for a destructible city that you could build with Legos and use on the map rules in the game to knock down. There's something called the devastation gauge, which tracks the damage done to the city and serves as a win or lose condition for every conflict between meccas and kaiju.
2: So it's it's for any listeners out there or viewers that aren't familiar with your your systems, is it is it like um, you know, I, I always go back to my my thing, the White Wolf, in the sense that's like that's always my reference point for everything else. It's not D and D. Would you be able so every Are the systems interchangeable, meaning that they can take one of your other tiny things and kind of play with that as well? Yeah. All the Tiny
4: D6 games run on the same chassis. There are genre-specific modifications that you have to account for.
2: Yeah,
4: Um, Like, for example, if you were to pull in a Tiny Super's character, they would be just a lot more powerful than the regular Tiny Dungeon character, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, absolutely, you could. And it's actually designed to be integrated with Tiny Frontiers Revised, our space opera game.
0: Okay. I, I used
3: actually,
4: it actually doesn't even have rules for anything related to pilots or stuff. Like if it says if you want to do that, Tiny Frontiers Revised is the game for people scale level stuff. Hmm. Right? This game is about giant stompy robots and giant stompy monsters. Right.
3: I used Mecha and Monsters in my Tiny Wastelands campaign.
4: Well, there you see, there you go.
3: There was a there was a broken down mecha underneath the uh, town that was causing most of the radiation mutations. Was part of the adventure they went through. They ended up going down into the caves and nice. fighting through mutants and finding a finding a uh, an old mech broken open with a power core exposed and
2: right. And and then what you're saying earlier too, Alan, about that the old adage is um, perfect is the enemy of good. Do uh-huh. you have? Because I also thinking about how like you know White Wolf would come out with their you know like second edition three years after. So when, when Mage the Ascension first edition came out, Vampire the Second Edition came out. So then when Wraith came out, then Werewolf the second edition came out. Do you are you always just to kind of go back on what Doug's question was, are there any of any of your any of your games where you're like, this is perfect, I don't need to update it? Or do you actually like do you actually have like a time schedule like to have something coming out every every year?
4: Uh that's a big Hard question. Um, I would say, yeah, I saw that face. Ben, <laughs> um,
1: hard questions would, are good. That's what I we're would known say, for here,
4: <laughs> I think three years is probably too soon. Um, and I, if I could do it again. I wouldn't have done that for Tiny Frontiers Revised. Okay. Um, although sometimes three years is fine. It just really depends on the game, hmm. right? I think it's so contextual and situational that it's really hard to answer,
0: right? Um. Right. I, th- I think you know just just from a, a consumer standpoint. I think updating Tiny Frontiers was needed, just because I think it probably it, if you went. I, I like like you said, you know, you're a different designer, but I think you know, I, I think by the time you got to to Mechas and Monsters, and, and especially once you got to Tiny Tiny Dungeon, you kind of knew what was a good like standard for right. like certain things and 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 that one definitely you could definitely tell there was you know that one had probably the largest jump you know to go so I, it wasn't, it, it was. wasn't really reflective of your other products so so I think sorry i do not yeah. I don't can.
4: think it was bad to do it when we did it right. I I don't, I don't regret it per se but I do think if we had waited a year it would have been a much stronger sure iteration right i think i think we were i mean honestly i think what happened is tiny dungeon was doing so well on kickstarter i was running out of stretch goal ideas and that was something i wanted to do and so we plugged it in
0: well it's it's also yeah well you know when you have a brand like tiny dungeon or tiny d6 you know you're only as strong as your weakest product absolutely so if you have a, a you know, if, if folks only come to, you, to Gallant Night Games and see Tiny Frontiers and they think that that's the standard of your games, mm-hmm. you know, it's good to kind of bring it up so that it's on par with the, it. With
4: the yeah, absolutely. You know, but I, as I look back on that, I do wish I'd waited one more year because I think sure. we would have been able to elevate it. And we wouldn't have lost anything waiting that extra year is what I think the difference
0: Right, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: I feel like that year wouldn't have mattered and we could have done an even better version of that product. Than what came out, I don't think it's bad. And I, anybody who wants it should go buy Tiny Frontiers Revised. I just think we could have. There, there was a stretch there where I think we learned a lot in a short period of time, and it would have benefited from that waiting okay. um, in terms of production. Less, more, more so production value than writing per
0: se. Uh, Rodrigo asks: Is it possible that in the future we see a Tiny D6 General Handbook? That's a good question. Like, I get that since, question we, a lot. since since you have so many tiny D six games, no, no, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do a general handbook, huh? Uh,
4: I have no intentions of doing that. I I find the genre books to be stronger, in that they are focused, they work better. There's less effort to make the game adapt to all these different edge cases that intersect, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if I were to cram Frontiers and Supers and Wastelands and Dungeon all into one book, I would have to talk about how the Supers rules intersect with all those books and all these edge cases. I would have to talk about the Starship, right? And all of a sudden you've created this mess, and I think the ecosystem for the game benefits from each genre of book being super focused because it lets you kind of ignore those edge cases that, right. like, honestly... So many so few people are gonna match those up that making me design for them is almost a waste of time right True. like the GM is gonna house rule those at their table because it's such a small percentage of the need right Yep. um and so and, and the art is a lot stronger in a unified genre product and that's a big thing for me is I love unified art yeah. and I, I feel like that would be difficult
2: yeah. but, we, but what about like you know it's just kind of like a kind of a generalized one like a, a book of like beasts you know like here's how a stat stat for a bear or you know there's things like that
0: amazing you, you you've got a you basically got a dinosaur bcr in tiny dungeons so yeah. you know that's the thing i get the most complaints about what the tiny the the, the dinosaur bcr
4: i get a lot of negative reviews where people are like there are too many dinosaurs
2: really
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> see, I don't... You know what? I'm gonna put that on every Yelp review from now on, no matter what it is. Too many
0: dinosaurs. <laughs> Too many dinosaurs. <laughs> like,
4: like six micro-setting writers pitched me dinosaur-related micro-settings, so I was like, "Well, I guess we need a lot of dinosaurs." <laughs>
0: that's funny. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty neat. I mean, like when you open the book, <laughs> you, you don't expect don't expect to see a whole bunch of dinosaurs in it. So well, it is one of those. You things open things a tiny like, dungeons oh God, book, that's...
3: yeah. You're not thinking, hey, let's play some tiny dungeons. Why is there a
1: T-Rex in my tiny dungeon?
0: Which, <laughs> well, when you, when I you think
1: did... about it, like kobolds, they're they're basically little tiny dinosaurs.
4: Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Anyway, you know, lizardfolk no, I, are slightly bigger dinosaurs.
4: I, I really, yeah, answer Barney's question. To answer Barney's question, well, I will not do a generic bestiary because again, too many edge cases. How do mechas and kaiju's interact with regular monsters? Because we treat the hit point yeah. scales differently and all that. Right?
3: Get into a rifts thing.
4: (laughs) We are working on a tiny dungeon campaign guide that has an expanded bestiary in it. And while it is focused on tiny dungeon, a lot of the advice is geared towards running tiny D6 games in general. So it is focused, but a lot of the advice is general or broad enough that you would benefit from it.
3: When I played my tiny wastelands campaign, my guys thought, oh, hey, we found a mech we're going to see if we can pilot the mech. And I was like, no, I didn't didn't matter what they tried, how long they tried it for what they tried to do. No, (laughs) it doesn't work. It'll never work. Stop trying.
0: (laughs) Going back to the dinosaur uh, topic. I I think what you need to do Alan, is I I think what you need to do is you need to put out tiny prehistoric prehistoric adventure park. And then that way, (laughs) You know, people can play like, you know, similar, visitors, but legally distinct from v- visitors or, you know, trainers or uh, owners. And, and, and while they're, you know,
3: you know what this is, Doug, this is a micro setting. This is
0: true. This is true.
3: He doesn't need see. to write a book
1: about it. <laughs> well,
0: what uh, I gets it done. You know, what, what, what's that Alan? Well, I, I like said, yeah, yeah, do it.
1: Like, just like, Life, uh, you know gets it done. That that could
4: be the timeline. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna write it now. I'm going to sell it because you know, also <laughs> make some money. out to do very little actual writing at this point. <laughs> so, have
3: me. you ever written a setting to, because it was uh a big thing in popular culture? Like, I'm wondering. Like, have you ever like have you ever seen? Holy cow! Like, everybody's in love with this thing right now with this genre with this particular. You know, niche market. Have you ever written a uh, a setting because of that, or has it just always been your own personal interest?
4: Based on the amount I pay myself monthly from Galenet Games, I think we can safely assume I don't pander to popular culture. <laughs> <laughs> I could pay myself a lot more if I did.
0: <laughs> Rodrigo wants to know, would it be Tiny
2: Flintstones? <laughs>
0: I mean, I made Beach Patrol like
4: 20 years too late, so what does that tell you?
3: Yeah, there you go. Yeah.
4: I'm not out there like being at the cutting edge of pop culture if it helps. True.
3: That is that is this is true.
4: <laughs> um, I
3: feel like that whole setting was just for Doug anyway.
4: It wasn't, but it ended up that way. And there has been was a, It was a lot of fun. <laughs> we actually have an updated edition of that coming too. Do you? Oh yeah? It? Yeah, huh? it's the summer barbecue edition. <laughs> And it's got, like, recipes and mixed drinks and playlists. It's oh, like wow. the RPG guide to a summer party. And also a <laughs>
1: game.
4: I <sighs> added a bunch of rules for, like, volleyball and stuff. Like, you can now play, like, there's little mini games for sports and things to do on the beach and stuff. It's really <laughs> absurd. <laughs>
0: Interesting. Interesting. Oh man. What else, uh, what else can you tell us about uh tiny, uh, not tiny mechas and monsters, uh, revo- <laughs> evolved. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Oh my God. I tell you, it's one of those days. Well, we've, uh,
4: we've dropped the tiny frontiers from the title.
0: <laughs> mm. um, it's I saw
4: that. Monsters evolved a tiny D6 game.
0: A tiny. Okay.
4: Um, well, the Tiny branding is really nice. Um, we couldn't make the title work in it. It was Tiny Frontiers, Mechas and Monsters Evolved. And that's like too many colons and ands and stuff. So, you know, we just, Mechas and Monsters Evolved and then a Tiny V6 game. Um, okay. and, and it's a stronger title for it. I think it communicates what the game is about. Um, mm-hmm. And people who like Tiny like Tiny D 6 will be able to find it. They'll know what it is. Um, people who don't might fall in love with Tiny D 6
0: yeah, I mean, that's one thing that we forgot to, to, to mention. If, if folks were interested in the Tiny D6 mechanics, so do you want to just kind of give a brief, like kind of like a two-second or 2 yeah. sales pitch yeah. on what the Tiny D6 kind of engine is about?
4: Absolutely. So Tiny D6 focuses on accessible gameplay. So it's a rules-light, uh, easy-to-teach, easy-to-learn, easy-to-run game. Um, the base mechanic is roll two six-sided dice. If either dice shows a five or a six, you are successful at the thing you want to do. Um... Neither die. If none of the dice shows a five or a six, you're not successful. If something grants you disadvantage that penalizes you, you only roll one dice. If something grants you advantage that gives you uh, an extra level of effort or success, you get to roll three dice, looking for a five or six on any of those dice. That's it. All attacks do one or two damage. Uh, characters generally have anywhere from four to ten uh, hit point equivalent level stats, and that's the game. Uh, it's super minimalist. It's super streamlined. The goal is to have the rules set be easy to teach, easy to learn, so you can let it fade out of the way and use it as a quick uh, adjudication system for when you need at the table. So, those are
0: kind of the basics. Uh, now that you've been, now, now that you've been, what, how long have you had the tiny D six license? It's what a five, six years?
4: Uh, so we. Acquired Tiny D6 from Funkin Salamander right around the Kickstarter, actually, so about five years.
0: Okay.
4: Maybe a little, maybe a maybe closer to four and a half, give or take. What be you- the end of 2016,
0: so it would be coming up on five years. Okay. So in that five years, what what are you most proud of uh, be, that you've okay. uh, done with? I mean, because this has been a big. It's been a big. That was a big, you know, acquisition for, for Gallon Night Games. It's it's kind oh. of you know it's Kind we, of brought it is, you. It is who we are. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of put you put you on the map. What are you most proud of? Like that, uh, that that you've accomplished with this with this tiny D six line.
4: Honestly, I think it's the quality of community we were able to build around tiny D six. Um, a lot of the players, the people in the community, they're very friendly. They're very welcoming. Uh, they love to talk about tiny D six, about how it's great for experienced players, how it's great for new players. But they're also just, they want to enjoy games. We manage to foster a community that is, well, it's focused on our game. That's not it's solo focused. I talk about other games in there all the time. They talk about other games in there all the time. We're all people who love games. I'm, uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to build a career out of it. Um, it's a lot of hard work. Uh, but, you know, I get to do it because of the community, and I get to do it because of their support, and they've been fantastic the whole way. So I think, you know, if I had to say anything that kind of keeps my skin in the game. It's that community. It's, you know, these people who make every day a great day to wake up and make a game for.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. That's that's very cool. Anybody else have any questions for for Alan before? uh, We're almost, we're getting close to the the hour mark. So I want to make sure that uh, Everybody gets their chance. And if anybody has any questions for Alan in the chat, let us know uh, as well. I'll be glad to uh, ask those and bring those up on on screen. Uh, Yeah. I I, I got one. By the way.
1: I think it's the most pressing question we could actually ask, Alan. (laughs) Are you Team Mecha or are you Team Monster?
4: So I'm a giant Gundam nerd, but I am Team Kaiju. And because it is so much fun to play as a Kaiju, because it's not – Something you get to do a lot is out of the ordinary.
3: Um,
4: (laughs) One of our playtest games, and it's my favorite gimmick to run with the game. I make everybody make a kaiju, then I tell them when they're on Monster Island and they can only roar at each other because they're kaiju. They don't talk, (laughs) and so I get get this table of players trying to pantomime and roar what they want at each other, (laughs) and it's such a it's such a paradigm shift that is really freeing and fun. (laughs) And so I just love kaiju.
3: Were there any rude gestures? (laughs)
4: Long. Long. <laughs> I'll, tell you what, I'll probably do that when i run it for bcg i won't make everybody roar all the time but i will probably <laughs> run a game where you're all kaiju yes oh my god because <laughs> that's just so fun sure and i ran mechs last time so we'll do kaiju this time
0: yeah okay that, that works that works
3: as much fun as it is to play a giant stompy robot it would be cool to say what are you going to do for your route i am going to hawk a loogie on this mech <laughs> <laughs> because this is going to burn yeah. a hole in it
4: <laughs> I, was, I was editing the campaign uh, In terms of like rules editing And there was a line where I was going through it I was just kind of skimming and doing my edits And I had to stop and scroll back because It was a line like the Kaiju name launches a flaming Loogie into the lake And I had to stop and go wait <laughs> What did they write? <laughs> and it, I'm like, okay that makes sense in kind of context and moved on Yeah I mean <laughs>
3: Don't know if we call it a loogie, but it's a loogie.
4: <laughs> but yeah, so. Right? <laughs> uh, and I'm a big fan of the old uh, Godzilla, Toho, and Shower yeah. series yeah. era stuff. So, you know, for me, the, the Kaiju is just, it's just a, I love like the Monster Island vibe. So, Team Kaiju. Yeah. Right, on. right, right here.
0: Jason. You said that this is the only... Mechas and Monsters are, is the only physical book that you don't It's the only one now. that I don't
3: own physically from Alan's, yeah. Wow. I have Tiny Frontiers. Uh, I have Mechas and Monsters in PDF. I just don't have it physically.
4: Yeah. Well, now you can get it. Woo! Yeah.
3: I will, yeah, I will. Very I cool. will, for sure. I like having are my you... little collection of Alan's
4: books. Aww.
0: Are you? Oh, you said you're. You're not doing. You. You're just fulfilling through drive-through RPG with, with this Kickstarter. So for U.S. backers, there will be a hardcover offset.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and because that's what we'll put into retail.
3: I remember when Alan was. Yeah. So. When Alan was doing Tiny Cthulhu, the first question I asked him was if he was going to do international, and he was. You could see it on his face. He was kind
4: of like, "I really don't want to," <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've always been able to make it work but even shipping something from and i i live like four hours from the canadian border so shipping something from my house to canada is still like it's close to 35 40 bucks a package
3: yeah even i've i've even stopped ordering things from any like if i can't get it if i can't get it from amazon i'm kind of like nah i'm kind of out because our, it's just
4: our books eventually show sorry you're kind of what Huh? you said you're kind of what
3: Oh, I'm, I'm just like, nah, I'm, I'm good. No, I'm just, I'm not going to do it.
4: <laughs> oh, what you said? You said you were kind of what? Oot. He's oot. Oh. He's oot.
3: Fine. Yeah. I said it. Fine. Yeah. I, I'm oot. <laughs> <I> <laughs> but it. it's just, like, Amazon can, they, they've they got the ridiculous monopoly, so they can make it easy. But like when I try to order from, like, even, like, the dice companies and stuff that I used to back and stuff, like, even Black Oak. I, the last Kickstarter with Black Oak did, I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. it's brutal like it's going to cost me like twice as much as my pledge to get it shipped yeah. to me and it's just dice the package yeah. doesn't even weigh much it's just literally just the base shipping cost is absurd for everything
4: it's yeah so so we'll have pod for international backers it'll be the usual at cost drive through rpg code
1: right yep.
4: um unfortunately that's the best we can kind of do in the situation any extra offset will be available in our web store people can buy it but again should
3: be cool. Uh, so, uh, color or black and white. Are we doing with tiny friends?
4: Oh, all color.
3: All you color. color? Cool. Yeah.
4: All color.
0: All the art looks like that cover art I showed you. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm going to ask for Ben. Um, is there a retail uh, pledge for uh, on this Kickstarter? Nope. Okay. <laughs> ben and sorry, I, ben, I. Sorry, Ben. Just us. Whoa!
3: You're going to kick him off that podcast. Yeah, no, no, no. I, what the
4: if hell? Ben wants a retail pledge, I'll make one for him. That's fine. Oh, if Ben wants oh he doesn't have the headphones. Every then. time I get asked for a retail pledge and I make one, the people who ask me never back it. Ben, ben would not be that person. Him. Ben will do I it. Don't, I, I don't, don't ask. ask. I don't it. ask. But
1: if it makes sense for the,
4: the publisher, well, they'll well, do it. The problem is it's almost never worth the effort.
1: Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I, I can't defend that at
4: all. Like, <laughs> and it's not the publisher. That's not the retailer's fault. Like I get it, but you know, like they can put the money up. They can get it at the same time as the people who are getting it and then hope they sell it in their store. That's not great for them to outlay and then hope, or they can get it in retail after it's been sold to the bulk of the customers who immediately are going to want it. Right. It's a catch-22 because we couldn't do these games without Kickstarter or crowdfunding.
3: Right. Yeah.
4: Oh, so there would be no game at all, but it definitely doesn't help support retailers. So, you know, Ben, I'm always open. If you have suggestions on what we can do to make retailers' lives easier.
1: I, I With the state of the world and the industry now, it's almost impossible. So Yeah.
4: Like, you know, you're
1: unable to ship international, and frankly, there's not enough retailers in the U.S. alone to right. Make it worth putting together a big thing. So especially
4: not ones that'll back a package. Yeah. Yes.
1: So so unfortunately, sure.
4: you know, it's just one of those things yeah. we've been unable to make work. But I always, you know, if retailers message me, I always we're gotta deal with them. But it's definitely something that's been difficult. Um and we've we've tried a lot of different ways with retailers and we've listened and we've had them actually write our pledges for us for that, you know, on what they like literally. What do you want on this pledge? You know, like make it happen, and it still doesn't seem to work. So, no. we're not cool, many or not. I can't get retailers to get my game that quickly. Although, I yes, nothing, I'm not gonna say anything else.
0: That's it. Okay,
3: <laughs> what? Wait, no,
4: oh,
0: you can't just stop there. All right, <laughs> well, folks, uh, hopefully,
3: look we'll at him sipping his
1: drink now. Maybe, maybe
0: we'll, we'll learn more. <laughs> Uh, as the cool, Kickstarter cool, goes maybe on, or not? Then...
1: Games collaboration confirmed. Oh, now, I was thinking
0: <laughs> that, then, but I knew better not to say that. Let's
4: <laughs> <laughs> not do that. No. Uh, right. we are not collaborating with Coolmanier or not. They seem great. I have many other games, but uh, we are not collaborating with them. But we have been exploring the possibility of offering uh, STLs based on the artwork in Megas Monsters.
2: Oh, cool, Ooh. very cool.
4: I'm unsure how that will pan out, Uh, and we just don't have the capabilities to make actual miniatures, but offering STLs might be a thing we could do, so we're kind of looking into it. That'll depend on funding. We're asking for a lot more than we've had to ask for in the past because of the rising cost of making a game, so we are kind of swinging for the fences here a little bit, uh, which is a lot. So
3: Honestly, anybody who's really been paying attention to to the gaming world in the last like two years should understand. Things aren't getting cheaper. <laughs> I have
4: no doubt that people understand why we're asking for more, but because we're asking for more, we can only increase our price so much. So we actually just have to net more backers, right? Is what it mm-hmm. mathematically boils down to. Yeah, because if I have to ask for five thousand more, but I can only raise my price five dollars, that's what the market will bear. Yeah. I have to make up that difference in more backers, right?
2: Yeah.
4: So there's a lot. There's a lot to kind of get into and work on there. So. Uh, if you if you are at all interested in the game, I mean, I would love it. If you was back, I would love it. If you talk about it to your friends, um, we are swinging for the fences. We've, this is the biggest funding goal we've asked for, I think, on any of our tiny D six games.
3: Really? really? Uh, uh,
4: well, I mean, it's a hardcover, full color book.
3: True. Yes, full color makes a big difference. Yep.
4: Um, and we're, we we want to do a good job and. I pay, you know, I pay a great rate to people who write for me 10 cents a word. It's one of the best rates in the industry. There are people who pay more, but we have, you know, we pay paid 10 cents a word since I started at at Night Games. Um, and I, and I pride myself on an ethical wage. Um, and that comes at a cost where we have to ask for more money for our products. So, you know, if you like what we're doing, if you're interested, you know, go to the link below, click to be notified back in when it goes live, please help us out.
1: Uh, Let me, let me recommend a new backing tier that you can add. It's called the shoot level. It's where you get two copies of the game, one for your shelf, and one to play.
4: <laughs> I have run that in the past, and people complain at me all day long. What? <laughs> okay. See, I, I love i love that pledge. I love the fact I, I that I'm a collector. I always order yeah. two.
3: That's why I always backed Alan's Games for the for the deluxe edition, because you get yeah. the bag, you get a hardcover, you get a soft cover Hardcover's my book for my shelf. Softcover goes in the middle of the table.
4: Great. Well, I will oh, add a, I will add a two hardcover collect. We're not doing soft covers, we're not doing the faux leathers, it's just the book.
0: Yeah. Just no. the book. Oh, okay. So I will add
4: a two book pledge for you nice. guys. Okay. You I will actually add the super shoot level if you want. Oh. Where it's fifteen hundred dollars, but I'll fly to your house and run it for you.
2: Oh. Wow. wow. Oh, okay. I thought you was like super shoot, meaning like we'll <laughs> deliver soup for you. Or you can have Doug <laughs> <come> Shoot. <laughs>
3: <laughs> soup or shoot. <laughs>
4: No, sorry. Uh, the super hyphen shoot. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well, very cool. I'm very excited to see this uh, Kickstarter hit, and uh, we'll be rooting for you. And, and uh, first, you. Of, we'll make sure to, to tell folks uh, all about it once, once it's live. Um, Alan, if, if folks want to know more about uh, you and, and all the things that you do at Gala Night Games, yeah. where, where should folks go? Where should, where should they uh, look to? Um, you can find Gallant Night Games games. Uh, we are in retail.
4: You can get them from your local game store. They probably don't just have them on the shelf all the time, but they can order them if they want them. Uh, you can find our games on RPG under Gallant Night Games. Our website is www.gallantnightgames.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at GallantKGames. I'm on Twitter at Alan Barr, and I have a website, alanbar.net. Yes.
0: Very good. I guess that's going to do it. We're over our 1 minute or 1 hour. I 1 minute. We're, our 1 minute. We're over uh, our, our, wow. our, our
3: we one talked a hour. lot in 60 seconds.
4: We we caught we kept Jason in check, which it was the important goal tonight as we were having the podcast. It was,
0: it was that was that was the uh that was the primary goal for this this session. Just it's you just,
3: wait until we get through. to the second part.
0: Jason, Jason, and Jack. <laughs> All right, folks. I want to thank everyone that uh, that joined us. I want to thank the guys uh, on this podcast, and I want to thank Amanda for for keeping uh, moderating in the in the chat uh, as as we were talking. And uh, I want to thank everyone that joined us live, Rodrigo, and uh, let me see here, Rodrigo, Hungary, Frank. Thank you so much. And thank you for to everyone, uh, Doug Engler. Thank you so much for for coming on, John. Thank you, uh, Twisting Curses on Twitch. Thank you so much for uh, for being a part of this session. Uh, just remind folks that if you'd like to join us every Monday night, you can join us Monday night at nine p.m. Eastern on YouTube, and uh, we'd love to have you part of our weekly show. And and uh, you can ask questions and participate uh, along with with all of us and the folks that uh, joined us tonight. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Episode 115 of the Chaotic Goodcast. It was chaotic, but it was so good.
3: Could have been more chaotic.
0: We'll see you all next week. (laughs) Bye. Thanks so much for watching this video. Uh, if you would be so kind make sure you hit that like comment and subscribe all the YouTube jazz that we're supposed to do here. Uh, it really is greatly appreciated. And if you'd like to support us more, uh, you can check us out on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com backslash victory condition gaming. have all sorts of Patreon perks and it definitely helps support our show. Thank you so much. I, I, I know I cut you off there, Jason. I'm sorry. That's
3: fine. I was hoping for it. It's kind of a point.
0: <laughs> um.
1: So one of the things I've actually uh, like suggested to people that really want to support smaller uh, publishers is buy two copies of the book and then donate one to a local library yeah. because mm-hmm. so many libraries now are getting gaming sections. It's actually yeah.
4: like popping up a
1: lot.
3: Yep.
4: So yeah, We're yeah, in
3: the yeah. middle of nowhere where I live, we have that.
4: Yeah. We donate a lot of our books to libraries and charity organizations. Uh, you know, when we, uh, like youth homes or, uh, youth activity centers, stuff like that. We, I, I, I did it. I did the math at one point like a couple of years ago, but it was something like 3% of our books we donated when we got it.
1: Nice. That's
4: great. That's awesome. So out of a thousand books, you know, we were donating 30 to 40.
0: That's awesome. Uh, our local library has a, uh, has a kid's uh, department in, uh, uh, I know the the gentleman that runs that, and I, I gave him both the Tiny Dungeon and Tiny no. Tiny uh, Dungeon Hatchling Edition. We actually I saw him at uh, uh, at, at a convention, and uh, I, like called him over. I'm like, "Come on, come on, come on, me. Come on. I got a couple couple comics for you."
3: Yeah, just, <laughs> I gave my copy yeah. of Hatchling to a friend of mine at work who has like five kids. Nice, they enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah, that um, stream that you were part of last uh, was it a week ago now, Doug? with uh with level oh.
0: 1 oh with level 1 yep
3: did you see what their final tally was
0: no no, no I didn't see what it
3: was 4100 something they made
0: was ah, it really
4: right. oh my goodness it yeah. was a security stream with Jason Derulio. uh
3: yes yeah the um uh at the end at the end of the stream um a fellow representing a what the heck, kind of a group was it uh he came in and his group donated like 1500 bucks and then he matched it personally
0: wow so
3: yeah pushed them up over four grand they were over the moon
0: good for them Great. yeah
3: and it's all like to uh to provide gaming supplies for at-risk kids and stuff like that and uh, so so. yeah
0: that's that's amazing yeah they were
3: they were super pumped love
0: that that was a great that was that was a fun stream it was very ridiculous (laughs) very very ridiculous ridiculous. like i know it's hard to believe that i would be in an actual play that would be ridiculous that
3: would be ridiculous yes (laughs) no i just i was halfway listening when i was watching and then i heard the despacito thing and i was like Wait, what? Did I just hear that?
0: <laughs> so, so, just to so let folks know, like halfway through halfway through the stream, uh, Emily, we had to take a little break. We had to do a little break, and we had a you know, we everybody had a bio break, and we got something to drink and whatnot. And we came back, and while we were while we were setting up for the second half of it, um, we said, I, I gave Emily the task of, I said, "Hey, you're you're an awesome GM. This is the first time you've GM for me. It was it's been terrific. I'm going to tell lots of folks how how much fun I'm having." I said, but you know what would be really awesome is if you take the the lyrics to Desposito and work them into the second half of this actual play and make it not obvious that that you're working them in. If you can make the lyrics of Desposito part of your GMing for the second half, I will literally tell everybody what an amazing GM you are. And she literally, like, right out of the gate, she was, like, on point. She was... She line went ham on line, it. It was amazing. Line, line for line, and she and you guys didn't see it on the back end. on uh, On the back end here, as soon as she would say she would say a line, she would be like, "That's the first line, second line, Third Like she was like <laughs> putting it in her faces that like, "Oh, I'm working this in." And 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 then when she got to desposito and the whole chat just went,
3: well, "Yeah, we were- what?" Wait. I was yeah, literally, the whole chat was like, huh, wait, what, wait. what well, there's like yeah. just a screen of what, huh, huh, what, huh, what, what, huh, huh, what? <laughs>
0: did and then I they, just every- hear that? <laughs> everybody realized it, that, that that's what she was doing. It was amazing. Yep. Anyway.
4: So the No Way Home trailer just dropped. hmm
3: Oh, my. Oh, did it? The, wasn't it the,
4: yeah. the
0: leaked one, right?
4: No, the official one from Marvel. The official yeah. one? Oh, right, nice. I'll watch that so one. I'm going to sign off now because I got a trailer.
0: All right. <laughs> <edit. laughs> <laughs> uh, So so do I. It was a blast uh, being on again. Uh, All
4: right. I'm looking forward to the next five.
0: Absolutely. I I am too. All right. (laughs) See see y'all.